jump into the epic world of Avatar The Last Airbender with Nickelodeon's official companion podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Late Show Pond Show listeners can get 20% off on all Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise on ParamountShop.com. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show shirts, mugs, accessories, and more with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. Welcome. Welcome one and all to the Late Show. Please have a seat. No, please. Thank you. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Uh, keen-eyed viewers may notice tonight's show looks just a little different. I am not presently in the Ed Sullivan Theater. I'm in the Ed Sullivan House because this morning I woke up feeling uh, not great, flaming throat, a little sweaty, coffee. I took one of those at-home tests, and it said that I am not pregnant. Then I took a COVID test, and it told me I am pregnant with COVID. So I took three more tests. And they all agreed. I just want to take a second here to salute the manufacturers for making such a consistent and reliable product. But did it really have to be so reliable? I was really looking forward to meeting Jada Pinkett Smith tonight. The only upside is, since I am isolating, no one can slap me for having her name in my mouth. So that's it. I have COVID-19. Again. Even though it's 2023. I should at least have something new, like COVID-23. I hear it has a better camera and a USB-C charging port, so you can use it in Europe. Right now, I'm feeling, uh, let's say, fine. Just a sore throat and a bad case of the lonelies. And I can, I can hear you saying awe in my mind, which only makes me lonelier, but thanks anyway. So uh, for now, I'm here in my palatial curtain shop. I learned something uh, interesting about COVID protocols today. We still have them. That came as something of a surprise. I have been told I can return to the office and do the show live uh, once I test negative, though. So uh, I will keep you abreast. Luckily, I'm ready for this. I'm basically doing uh, the show podcast style. And I've got plenty of experience, thanks to all my friends over at Strike Force 5. So just think of this show as Stephen Forced Home. I'm already in podcast mode, as you can see. I got all the equipment, which reminds me, this episode brought to you by Ryan Reynolds Mattresses. Now everyone gets to sleep with Ryan Reynolds. He probably owns a mattress company. Does he? I don't know. There's no one here but me. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking off as if there's someone else here. He owns everything else. He's got to have a mattress company. Hey, you know who else is probably feeling a little sick right now? The House GOP. They can't agree on a speaker after kicking out Kevin McCarthy almost two weeks ago. And when last we talked on last Thursday night, it looked like they were going to pick Louisiana congressman and man caught eating your invisible hoagie, Steve Scalise. Now, by the time we aired that show on Thursday, it was already clear Scalise did not have the vote. So on Friday, the Republicans tried again and nominated Ohio congressman Jim Jordan. <laughs> She's got a little nauseous. And I don't think it's the COVID. Jordan is an ultra-conservative election denier and also a what-happened-at-Ohio-State denier. 
You could not pick a worse man for Speaker of the House. And keep in mind, the GOP just had Kevin McCarthy, so they tried. Now, the bad news here is that the new speaker might be Jim Jordan, but the good news is there's no good news. Luckily, and this is true, Netflix has released a live stream of tiny baby animals at the Cleveland Zoo. Look at you. Who'd be a better speaker than Jim Jordan? You would. Look at you. Whoosh. He's waking up. Everybody stay quiet. Plus, there's still hope. Remember, to get elected, Jordan or anyone else would need 217 votes, and that feels nearly impossible in this fractured caucus, as Missouri's Mark Alford explained. You could put Jesus Christ up for Speaker of the House, and he still wouldn't get 217. Well, that's true. The modern GOP would never vote for Jesus. I mean, he was soft on Samaritans and commanded everyone to sell their possessions and give the money to the poor. The guy was clearly a socialist. He was worse than a socialist. He was a Christian. Cut your hair, you hippie. Put on some pants. Leave the sandals back at your yurt, comrade. So, <clears throat> Jordan needs 217, which means he can only lose four votes. And on Sunday, an anonymous GOP House member told CNN that there are roughly 40 no votes within the caucus and that he'd personally heard from 20 members who have pledged to block Jordan's path. So this weekend, Jordan unleashed a pressure campaign, including posting the phone numbers of mainstream GOP lawmakers they count as holdouts and encouraging followers to flood the Capitol switchboards with calls demanding they back Mr. Jordan or face the wrath of conservative voters. And we all know what conservative voters use to express their wrath. The poo poo. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Now, the pressure actually seems to be working because just today, Jordan got the support of several holdouts, including Alabama congressman and man who gets his hair cut at the Lego factory, Mike Rogers. One of the sober lawmakers making this momentous decision tomorrow will be New York Congressman George Santos, seen here wearing this season's hottest inflatable pants. On Friday, Santos made headlines for getting into a confrontation with a protester who asked him about the conflict in Israel. But that's not what got people talking. What got people talking was during this altercation, Santos was holding a mystery baby. That's pretty weird. But keep in mind, all babies are a mystery. I fed you. I burped you. I changed you. It's 3 a.m. Just tell me what you want. Here's my debit card. The PIN number is 5418. Have a party. When reporters asked if the baby was his, Santos replied, not yet. Forget Katara Ravash. George Santos's new alter ego is Rumpelstiltskin. Santos later explained who the baby belonged to, introducing it to Kevin McCarthy and saying, one of my staffers, baby. Look at this baby, Mr. Speaker. So either he forgot that they voted McCarthy out or he's telling us the baby is the new speaker. I mean, it's fewer tantrums and more object permanence than Jim Jordan. Santos then posted a video about the incident to his Twitter page where something kind of fun happened in the comments. One user asked him, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? And Santos responded, bad blood. Don't judge me. I'm going through my reputation era. Bitch, a bad blood is not on the reputation album. It is on 1989. This man can't even pretend to like Taylor Swift correctly. Oh, me? I'm a total Swifty. My favorite Taylor Swift song, probably the one that goes, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, the real Slim Shady. 
Speaking of Taylor Swift, there's news about Taylor Swift. Please calm down. She's not here, and neither are you. That was videotape. I'm barely here. Taylor had a huge blockbuster debut this weekend. Of course, I'm talking about Tay-Tay going public with Travis Kelsey in a PDA-filled date night in New York City. Yes, Taylor is his love story. She's enchanted and can't shake it off. And Travis is her football term. I know less about that. Whatever, touchback. That's a thing, right? Again, there's no one there, but he's saying yes. And you know they're for reals, y'all, because according to reports, they were holding hands, interlocked fingers and all, y'all. Whoa, interlocked fingers. That's like first base, I think. Again, I don't know much about football. The pair popped up on this weekend's episode of Saturday Night Live, which was hosted by Pete Davidson, and they were spotted heading to the show's after party together. Wow. They put their relationship to the hardest test any couple can, going anywhere near Pete Davidson. Hmm. In smaller news, Taylor's Eras Tour movie premiered this past weekend and shattered the global record for a concert film. I saw it. It was great. I sang. I laughed. I screamed along with my fellow Swifties who were so excited that they came to the theater despite their high fevers, loss of taste and smell. And okay, that's where I got COVID. I got COVID. Taylor's version. President Biden was in Philadelphia this weekend to talk about the economy, and his speech got off to a bit of a bumpy start. Good save, Joe. No one noticed. But please, stop doing anything. Can we can we fill his shoes with weights so he just pops back up like a weeble? Oh, here I go. Okay. Just kidding, Jack. I'm back. Oh, see you on the side. Once Biden took the stage, he worked the crowd a little. It's good to be almost home. Hey, guys, I live in Delaware, okay? <laughs> and by the way, I'm a big Pennsylvania guy, but you have an advantage in Philly. One, I married a Philly girl. Two, you're between Scranton and Wilmington. You know, Scranton, you guys have no sense of humor, man. <laughs> Those were punchlines? Thanks for coming out to the Chuckle Hut. I love being in Milwaukee, but actually I'm from Sheboygan. It's about an hour north, 50 minutes if there's no traffic on 43. Well, that's a tough room. You could also take 57 to 23 east. Nothing? That joke usually kills on Google Maps. We got a great show for you tonight. My guests are Jada Pinkett Smith. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. 
It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Welcome back, everybody. My first guest tonight is an actress you know as the co-creator and co-host of Red Table Talk. She has just written a new memoir, Worthy. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Jada Pinkett-Smith. Hey. Hey, Jada. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Thanks for being here. Welcome back to 2020. I know. <laughs> Let's do it all again. Let's do it all again. How have you been? It has been four years since we sat down together. It's been a while. I yeah. was hoping, I was looking forward to seeing you, but I get to see you on the screen. We'll have to do it again. We'll have yeah. to do it again. Um, in that time, in those four years, you, you've written a new book. It's getting a lot of attention yeah. called Worthy. Mm-hmm. And it's, I love the cover. I think that's a photo made up of photos of you. Yes, it's all the thousands of Jadas in that one Jada head. <laughs> you contain multitudes? Is yes, that what you're saying? exactly. Now, this, this book has been making a ton of headlines in the last few days. Are you surprised it's getting so much attention? Or are you surprised by what in the book is getting that attention? Well, no, I, I knew it was going to get some attention. I am surprised that it's getting as much attention as it is. But, you know, I think it also has a lot to do with uh, there's there's not a lot of programming on TV. so. <laughs> well, there's not a lot of programming like this. I mean, people are very interested in you and your family. Yeah. You know, I you know, people were really surprised to find out that you and your former husband, still husband or former husband? still that's that's still my that's still my man okay yeah still my man I you know as I was explaining you know part of my healing process I came into my marriage with Will so young and so all of the idealism that I had around husband and marriage and I've really in in my process through therapy and what have you, just learning how to break down all of those romanticized fantasies that I came into this marriage with and really learning to have acceptance for the reality of what it is and just seeing Will in a brand new light. So, um, you know, just for my own healing, I just call us life partners, but he's, he's my dude, he's, he's my right hand. Well, one of the things that surprised people that you, you've revealed is that you and Will have lived separate lives since 2016. Yeah, and, we did. And, and you know, and yeah. you and I have also lived separate lives since 2016. <laughs> it's not as, and me and Will, actually. So it's kind of like a three-way You're not right. having the same life together, exactly. which I think might, might make headlines tonight. But, but here's the thing. I don't think that the public has a right to know the inner lives of celebrities. I just, well, yeah. I just don't think that's a given. But you... And your family have been very open with yeah. people as you know, as sort of like a gift to your fans to know about your lives. Why was this one item, like a juicy item, something that you decided not to share until recently? You know, I wasn't ready. You know, I wanted, listen, uncoupling consciously is a very difficult thing, right? And so in this process of learning how to, you know, I had a lot of things I had to resolve so it wasn't like a war in public. I didn't want that, like, for Will and I. And so I really needed time to get myself together. And in that process of my healing, you know, just realized, like, do I really want to be divorced? Do I really want to be separated? 
and then the Oscars came. And believe it or not, it's like, it's crazy how intense events can bring people together. Because once the Oscars happened, Will and I got closer. Um, and so Really? That actually, that actually helped? It, how so? Well, because it, 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 it was a storm. You oh know? my gosh, it's, it's the slap heard around the world. <laughs> right, and so, you know, before the Oscars occurred, Will had just finished a very difficult film that I cannot name, but he played a slave, and um, he, a lot of things came up for him, and he asked if we could get back into some therapeutic spaces together. And so we, were start, we started doing some really deep work together, and so when he got nominated, he was like, there's nobody I want to share this moment with more, you know, than you. And I was really touched because it wasn't a guarantee that I was going to go with him. And he was like, will you go with me? And I said, absolutely. So I didn't go to the Oscars necessarily as Will's wife. But when the event occurred, I knew in that moment that I wasn't going to leave his side. And I knew in that moment that I didn't go to that theater as his wife, but I was leaving as his wife. And I was going to stand by his side no matter what. And that's when I knew. I was like, I love this man. Well, that's really fascinating um, that it was sort of like a moment of, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was a moment of sort of emotional crisis that brought you together. Absolutely. That's exactly what it was. You and called it really, that a holy slap. I called it I called it the holy joke, the holy slap, and holy lessons. That's All right, holy lesson. Called. Take me to church, Sister Smith. <laughs> Teach me the lesson. Teach me the holy lesson of that moment. You know, I had to learn not to take any of it personally. And I had to learn I learned so much about shadow. My shadow, Will's shadow. Just everybody's shadow that was in the collective. Chris Rock shadow, shadow because I think Will slapped it right out of him. <laughs> you know, everybody's shadow. <laughs> right? They had to go look for it in the wings. You know, and so in that time, really learning about unconditional love and learning that we're all here trying to figure out this thing called life and seeing how there was such a, you know, this, this spiritual clash on the stage, you know, years and years of stuff between Will and Chris that just came to a head, you know? And oh, I didn't know there was stuff between the, I didn't know there was stuff well, between the two that's a story for them, you know what I mean? But yeah. But you know the story. Of course. And you won't, you won't tell me the Are you part hey, of the story? Are no, you part no, of the story? No, I'm actually not. I'm actually not. We have to take a quick break, but stick around everybody. We'll be right back with more Jada Pinkett Smith. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I'm just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free starting May 1st with a 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Hey, everybody. We're back with the author of Worthy, Jada Pinkett-Smith. 
Well, there's a lot of pain in these pages. And you've dealt with addiction in your family, uh, depression, a loss of close friends. And you write, too many of us become stuck in grief because we don't understand the need to grieve. And culturally, we're not taught how to grieve. And yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. That That's, you know, I'd say modern industrial world doesn't deal well because also we're sort of separated from our families. We don't know the older people in our family often because we don't live with the grandparents. We don't, we don't have that immediate, that first immediate loss immediately in our lives. Yeah. I'm just curious how, who taught you, where did you learn your lessons about grief? You know, I'm still learning, Stephen. It's still something that is challenging for me. Um, but once I learned how to be vulnerable in a way that allowed me to accept intense feelings of despair and to just be with those feelings and know that those feelings weren't going to take me out, knowing that I was going to make a return, knowing that they were going to pass. Once I allowed myself to have those feelings and come out on the other side and feel the relief and feel the release and feel like I was getting closer to, to more intimate parts of myself then then allowed me to have deeper connections with other people. And I started to see that I wasn't going to lose anything by being more vulnerable. And the more I practiced that, then I could see that grief and allowing myself to grieve wasn't going to steal something from me, but it was actually going to give me gifts. People, I think in our modern world, often mistake grief for weakness. Yes. That you're yes. supposed to be strong all the time. And you Absolutely. actually strike me as a very strong person. Your whole family... Do it, uh, Jim, do you have a photo of the, the beautiful family? There you are. Just yeah. to remind you what you and your family look like. Um, you seem like a very strong family. Can that sort of projected public strength be a, a barrier, an obstacle to being vulnerable? You know, not so much, to be honest with you. I think that um, for me, you know, I really have learned how to, you know, you have your public life and then you have your inner family sanctum life, you know. And I've been very lucky that with my family we've been able to do some really, really deep work together as a family and um, really strengthen our bonds in those places of vulnerability and tenderness and really being able to connect in such powerful ways. You call your children, who are a major part of your life, obviously, you call them your three little gurus. What, yeah. what have they taught you? Well, you know, that's so funny that you say that because Willow, Willow, really all my kids have taught me how to hold tears, you know, because- What do you mean by hold tears? Um, Willow has a way of being emotionally expressive in ways that was foreign to me. You know, she really has a way of feeling her feelings and being very unapologetic about it. And she'll just say to me, Mommy, I don't need to hear a fix. I need you to hold me. And I go, okay. You know what I mean? And so sure. I had to, yeah. Everything is going to be okay. You don't need to tell me how. Just exactly. tell me, if, I'll fix it. I'll, I'll fix it. it. Just you just tell me, me I can. Everything's right. going to be okay. 
I'm so, curious, like being finding that uh, that vulnerability and being able to tap into your own grief. Does that change you as an actress? Absolutely. You find new depths. You abs absolutely you can find new depths that way, um, because I've had a very difficult time being vulnerable on screen. I just have to be real about that. Very difficult. That's why I'm always choosing strong characters so that I don't have to play vulnerable. Straight up, Steven. You caught me there because All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I look forward to I look forward to your most vulnerable role coming up. Yeah, for sure. The book is worthy. The young lady is Jada Pinkett Smith. It's on sale tomorrow. Jada, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Steven. So nice to talk to you. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Now you can feel like you're in the audience at the Ed Sullivan Theater with official Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise at ParamountShop.com. Shop t-shirts, mugs, accessories, and more, and Late Show Pod Show listeners can take 20% off with code TLS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show products with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com.